Christ is risen. He is risen you may be seated. Oh, what good news this is, that our Lord and Savior is not dead. He has been raised from the dead. Christ is risen. I'm going to do that a lot through the sermon, so you should get used to it. Christ is risen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. It's found on page 1,584 of the Bibles in the pews. Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. And as we prepare to hear God's holy word, let's come before him in prayer. O Lord our God, who raised Jesus from the dead, grant to us a faith that surpasses all understanding. As we prepare to read of the mystery of the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, who was dead but now lives, we pray that you would renew our souls, uplift our spirits, and grant us new life so that we may know and see and believe that you have conquered death and sin and are restoring us even now to yourself. Bless us, we pray. In the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, starting at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, And Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. St. 
sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. risen This is the central truth of our religion, the reason for our faith, and the great mystery that has shaken the very foundation of the world. This is what we proclaim, and this is what we believe. Christ is risen. risen Hallelujah. All four of the Gospels testify to the resurrection of our Lord, but perhaps none is as poignant or as subtle as the Gospel of Mark. Maybe when we were reading from the Gospel, you noticed the note in the the text right after verse 8 that the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses end the Gospel of Mark here at verse 8 with the women leaving the tomb, trembling, bewildered, and very much afraid, not telling anybody what they had seen, which would be quite a sudden and disturbing ending to the story, to say the least. The women come to the tomb early in the morning to anoint the body of Jesus with oil and spices, they arrive to find that the stone has, rolled, has been rolled away. A young man tells them that they will not find the body of Jesus here because he has been raised from the dead. And then the women flee from the tomb, trembling, bewildered, and very afraid, and don't tell anyone what they have seen. The end. There have been volumes written on the ending of the Gospel of Mark, ever since the earliest days of the church even. And the truth of the matter is that we don't know whether Mark's Gospel was supposed to end with verse 8. We're pretty sure that verses 9 through 20 were added later. But whether they were replacing an original ending that was lost or or whether they, they were supplying an ending to what was perceived to be an incomplete Gospel that never showed the reader the resurrected Lord, We don't know. But let's assume, for the rest of this sermon, let's assume that this is the intended ending of the Gospel of Mark. Let's assume that this is the ending of the Gospel of Jesus the Christ, as Mark titles his work in chapter 1. Let's suppose that the Gospel of Mark ends with the disciples scattered, with the women fleeing the tomb in silence and with the tomb empty. What a terrifying reality. The disciples flee when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus. Peter denies Jesus three times when he's confronted with the fact that he's a disciple and then the women, when the women see the empty tomb, they flee and the body of Jesus is nowhere to be found. Mark leaves us with a picture of what looks like total and complete defeat. This is not the starting point for a new religion. This doesn't set up for the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. This is a picture of utter miserable failure on the part of Christ's followers. Jesus' followers are scattered, afraid, bewildered, trembling, and silent, silent as the grave. 
but the grave is not silent. The empty tomb speaks volumes. The tomb is empty. The stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb has been rolled away, and the place where the body of the Lord was laid is clear. There is no body in the tomb. The body of Jesus is gone. Of course, the empty tomb in and of itself doesn't signify or doesn't necessitate a resurrection from the dead. We know from the Gospel of Matthew and from other Jewish sources from the first centuries of the church that there was a widely circulated rumor that the disciples of Jesus came in the night, rolled away the stone, and stole away his body. The empty tomb doesn't speak in and of itself. The empty tomb on its own could be a deception, it could be a trick, it could be a lie that the followers of Jesus concocted so that their teacher, their rabbi, their friend would not be forgotten. It is upsetting. (laughs) But this is what some would have us believe even still, even today. That Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good teacher and he taught his disciples how to be good, moral people and to live lives of kindness and love. And so the disciples, wanting to preserve his legacy, wanting to preserve his teaching, his good teaching, stole his body from the grave and made up this story about the resurrection to preserve the good teachings of a good man. And so the tomb was empty because the disciples took their teacher's body so that they could preserve his teaching by claiming that God had raised him from the dead. And by doing this, they would have somehow vindicated his teaching, showing that he was the Messiah, that he had brought the kingdom of God through his teachings, his good teachings, and that by following these good teachings, all people could be a part of the kingdom of God established by his Messiah. But why would people follow a failed Messiah? Why would people follow a man who claimed to be God and then died? A teacher doesn't have to be resurrected for their teachings to be good. Moses had good teachings and he died. David had good teachings and he died. Solomon has several books of good teachings and he died. Elijah Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, John the Baptist, the prophets of old. All of these teachers had good teachings. And all of their teachings lived on after they died. You don't have to be resurrected to have good teachings. You don't have to be raised from the dead for your teaching to be worthwhile. But Jesus, his teaching was different. Jesus taught that he would die for the sins of the world and be raised from the dead. Jesus taught that he was the Son of God, the Christ of God, the King of the world. Jesus taught that in him was to be found forgiveness for the sins of the world. Jesus taught this very explicitly 
We see it in Mark chapter 10, verses 33 through 34. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. This is Christ's teaching. Jesus didn't teach that if people are good, they will make God happy. Jesus taught that people are sinful, but that he would forgive them and take the penalty of their sin on himself. Jesus taught that he would die for the sins of the world and that he would defeat death. Jesus taught that he was the Messiah sent to save God's people from their sins. So if the disciples stole the body of Christ from the tomb, they were idiots. They would have been trying to preserve a teaching that they knew was a lie, trying to believe in a hope that was built on a falsehood Why would they follow a failed Messiah? Why would they follow one who claims to have power over death and then die? If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then his teaching isn't good at all. It's a betrayal. So the empty tomb doesn't speak for itself. The empty tomb is a sign of God's work in the world, but God doesn't let his signs speak for themselves. This is what we see, this is what we see in the sacraments. The, the signs of God are always accompanied by the word of God. The waters of baptism, the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, these are signs. These are signs that point to the grace of God. These are signs that point to what God is doing in our lives and around the world, but the signs do not speak for themselves. They are always accompanied by the word of revelation, by the word of God. And that's why when we baptize, we read the words of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus tells the disciples to go and baptize all nations. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we read the words of 1 Corinthians or of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus establishes this meal as a memorial of his death and resurrection. The sign of by itself is nothing. The sign is nothing without the word of God. And the same is true for the empty tomb. By itself, the tomb is nothing. It can be explained away, it can be ignored, but God sends his word to accompany the sign. And a messenger from heaven speaks to the women who have come to anoint the body of Jesus. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Christ is risen. Over the season of Lent, we looked at the words of Jesus Christ from the cross. And these words testify to the powerful work that Jesus was sent to accomplish 
The words of Jesus from the cross emphasize his teachings throughout his ministry, that Jesus was at work to forgive the sins of the world, to bear the curse of hell, to defeat sin and death, to open the gates of paradise, to restore humanity to right relationship with God. These are the words that Jesus spoke as he suffered and died, testifying to the work that he was sent to this world to do. But here, at the close of Mark's gospel, it is not Jesus who speaks, but heaven itself. Christ is risen. risen The announcement of the angel sitting beside the empty tomb is a declaration that everything that Jesus taught and claimed about himself is true. That the kingdom of God has been established on the earth. God himself has come to live with his people again. That the gates of paradise have been unlocked. That evil and sin and hell have been endured and defeated in Christ. That Jesus is God. And that God has conquered death. Christ is risen This is the good news of the gospel, but it is also terrifying news. Because at the root of Mark's gospel is a notion that God is on the move and that there is not a power in the universe that can stop him. The Pharisees can't stop him. The Romans can't stop him. The complete and utter failure of his disciples can't stop him. Sin, death, Even hell itself are not enough to stop the work of God from coming to completion. Even with the disciples scattered and the women fleeing the tomb in silent terror, the good news of the gospel bursts forth into the world. All the people who Jesus called to himself to follow him are scattered and frightened and silent and still the good news of Christ's resurrection goes out into the world. Christ is risen. risen If Mark intended to end his gospel with this soul-shaking account of the empty tomb, then what we have here is a powerful reminder that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the work of God and God alone. Mark leaves us with a reminder, a terrifying reminder, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is an event beyond human doing, beyond even human comprehension, and that it is awesome and frightening. Mark leaves us with a story emphasizing human inadequacy, lack of understanding, failure, and weakness But the human failure that Mark highlights here throws into bold relief the powerful work of God. The witness of the empty tomb interpreted by the word from heaven. Christ is risen. risen This is how we know that the gospel is true. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is not here. He has been raised to life, and the tomb is empty. Even though his disciples were scattered and afraid, even though the women fled from the tomb, bewildered and trembling, even though there was no one to carry the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ into the world, the gospel breaks forth. God has worked his wonders, established his covenant with his people, and brought salvation to the ends of the earth, 
the empty tomb declares, Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. Christ is risen. risen Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.